Damn. Welcome back to another episode of the 104 Podcast. My name is Herman. I am your co-host. This is a podcast about the Oilers in a healthy and productive manner. On my right is a man who cheered very much so when Josh Curry got his first goal, right? Oh, yeah. You did, right? I mean, I didn't see it live, but I, 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 thank you. <laughs> I didn't see it live, but when I saw the, the replay, also, you know where I saw it first what? was the Condors Twitter. I don't know if you watched the Condors Twitter last night, no. the Oilers affiliate team. No. It was lit. <laughs> I don't know who was on that, but they were hilarious. Really? And they just like retweeting every tweet of the Edmonton Oilers with Curry's goal and it's like hashtag literally crying right now. It was so I saw it first on there, Crazy. and then I started watching the game in the second period, and uh, was stoked. He was good. He was good. I, I'm I'm very happy for him because uh, I like. He's a good old PEI boy. You could, have you heard his interviews? He's such he's, his accent. Oh, does he really have a thick out. accent? Love it. It's so good. Uh, yeah, Josh Curry is like they're he's just, they're just retreating all the they're Oilers. Retreating the Oilers all night. Yeah, it was hilarious. Like, oh boy, good for him. Anyway, good it was good. The, good for the Condors. Like, in addition to the fact that last night they also won their 16th game in a row. Condors Baker are good Field this year. Condors. Condors are good. Be- the, and I know what's interesting about the Condors is that they don't have... They're better than their NHL affiliate? Yes. <laughs> they don't have a player in the top 10 in scoring. It's just really? the, the team-wide, like, we're going to kick ass right now. Uh, so good for the Condors. So, all right. We had a decent week this week. Let's go to the, let's go to the recap. Decent week. That's the understatement of the year. <laughs> Oilers went 2-0-1 this week. <laughs> Two zero and one. I think our guess, my guess, was zero and three. I was Yours one was and two. O, one and two. <laughs> I was I mean, close. <laughs> this is the week, right? This yeah. is the week where, after the week where you think we're out, then they have a good week, and you're like, oh, maybe they're not out. But then you were. T- what were you saying? There's still seven points back in the playoffs. Yeah, today they. I looked, and they're seven points back. They've had. They've gone two zero and one, and they're still seven points back from the playoffs. Oh, so they've actually gone backwards on the week. That's great. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> We started off on Tuesday night against the Arizona Coyotes. Mm-hmm. It was Pride Night. I didn't realize that it was that until I saw the Pride tape on the sticks. The Pride yep. tape has been like a big thing across the NHL, but yes. as I'm sure you know, and Sorry, many of our listeners may or may not know, Pride tape was developed here in Edmonton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so obviously they use the Pride tape during the warm up. It's a you know, nod mm-hmm. to LGBTQ communities and you know acceptance and. In sports, I mean, I think we have a long ways to go. Yeah. Um, but people like Brian Burke and the teams have really, you know, taken up this mantle, and mm-hmm. it's always good to see that. I think, like, that not only this was, it wasn't just a one-off. Now this is becoming like a yearly thing for every team has their like pride. Totally agree, and I think um, every team does it now. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I love to see the pride tape out there. I I can't wait. Excuse me. I can't wait till players actually use the pride tape in game though. You always use it in practice or like warm up. I want to see one in game. Do you think someone will? I don't know if it's like a. There's so much thing. like superstition that's around like, taping your stick and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, I don't know if it's like technically like it's not a good tape because they, that's why they don't use it in game, or I don't know. But I would love to see it. That's that's. I think that's like the ne- my next step, or to see something on the ice. Like uh, I don't know. If, I, I I really don't know if other teams do it. They might. But I want to see the Oilers put like a you can play thing on the ice instead of just like yeah, or a goalie or something like that. Yeah. Um. So 
Oilers lose that game three to two, a shootout loss, uh, but a big comeback, right? Yes. Like they scored with like Nuge scored with like ten seconds left, just a couple like seconds that. left. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was great. I love seeing Nuge uh, coming becoming the hero. Um, I love the this year being like, a, and it started with last year too, like. Nuge appreciation years. <laughs> like, people love Nuge right now. Yeah. Yeah. And the, 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 and the league is seeing that right now, too, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's uh, he's been one of the most underrated players in the league for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we said this, like, the moment Ken Hitchcock came in, like, he saw him play 12 minutes or whatever, like, 15 minutes his first game, and just, like, just raving about Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, he yeah, probably yeah. knew about him previous to that as well, too. But it was just like, yeah, like, it, every coach just, just takes five, 15 minutes of watching Nugent play to realize, like, how that, good he that is. Guy, that guy knows. Yeah, that guy knows what's up. <laughs> that, guy, so, that guy hockey's. It was nice. It was disappointing to lose in the shootout, but I, I didn't see the game. But, you know, it seemed like um, I, I had a friend that was there who actually is taking a, a client from my work that night, and he said it was an awesome experience and really awesome vibe. So after, what was it, six games in a row or five games in a row that they lost? And it was, they were they, bad games, too. They lost this, is a this pretty, one, but it was a good game. It was a good game. Yeah, they sure. finally did break that losing streak the following Thursday night. New York Islanders came to town in a game in which I predicted Matthew Barzell was going to get six goals. <laughs> I don't uh, think he got one. He didn't. I don't think he got any. <laughs> um, the Oilers win four three in overtime. That was another last second goal too, wasn't it? It was. It was or more like two of like and a half two minutes. minutes. That was a cleft bomb. Yeah, cleft bomb. Um, that, a game where they dominated though, even though they were losing, like they were up two nothing. Then all of a sudden yes. the Islanders made it three two right before the end of the first period. Yeah, it was three two the entire game, and then obviously cleft bomb with the late tally and sends it into overtime, and then. It's one of those games, again, where the Oilers were really playing really well for the, most of the game, and they were out-shooting their opponents. Um, and McDavid with the winner in the end, uh, dry saddle to McDavid. And also the game where um, McDavid is now uh, Brad Marchant, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get into it. Yeah. We'll get into it. We'll let, we'll let you get into the rant, uh, your rant. Your rant. Um, and then last night... Yes. Anaheim Mighty Ducks were in town. I love the tweet in the morning from uh, Oilers Nation. It's like, "Good morning, good Saturday morning to everyone, except for the Anaheim Mighty Ducks." <laughs> and it's just the gif of Darnell Nurse cross-checking uh, whoever to the ice. Doesn't matter. Repair, yeah. whatever. One of those. Uh, man, Anaheim. Ugh, just our bane. Hey. Anyway, they came up with a two-one win mm-hmm. on, but not without some controversy. Uh, f- imagine that Anaheim scored a last-second goal against the Edmonton Oilers while like running our goalie. Um, but this time we got called back. The Oilers mm-hmm. managed to squeak out the two-one win. A uh, real team effort, and obviously the first game without McDavid, which mm-hmm. we'll get into later. A um, couple unlikely scorers. Yeah, Curry and Josh Gagne. Curry and Gagne. Yeah. Anyway, I gotta say, like. All in all, pretty good week. Decent week. Decent week. And they played well in every game. They battled every single game. And, you know, all one goal wins, one goal victories, and one goal loss. Like, this is nothing. These are... We talked about last week being the week that the Oilers kind of decided to be like, now nah, we're done. We're done with the season. Um, I think we decided the Oilers were done with the season. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I really... Okay, I, I do believe that inside the Oilers organization, there's some people that would be like... Come on, guys. We're, we're not going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, I really do believe that. Well, and we'll it, know on Monday, right? Yeah, and I know that they're going to... They're talking about like still making the playoffs and whatever. I know they say that out front, but I know inside that they're like, ah, it's going to be really tough. It's nice seeing them pull off a week like this where five out of the six points, um, all at home, like going into a big road trip. They needed to get a lot of wins, and they did. And they got scores from... Oh, Josh Curry and Clefbaum and Gagne. Like, that's really cool to see. It's not just dry side on McDavid. Also, for the first time 
in basically two seasons a completely healthy, intact defensive core. That's true, eh? That's Zach very Rose true. back. That's very playing true. Well. Clefbaum is back, playing well. Yeah. Russell has always been there, exactly. but is playing an appropriate role. Yes, he is. <laughs> Darnell Nurse, same thing. Yeah. Playing an appropriate role. Because yeah. when he gets moved up, that's when he gets into trouble. Yeah. Playing an appropriate role. Larson not um, playing the best right now, though. He was he's okay. Still, he's, still, he's still fighting it a bit. He's still fighting it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's back with his buddy Oscar, and that mm-hmm. that there that's a dynamic too. The back, you know, the third pairing gets a little bit dicey. Let's get into our yeah, strengths and opportunities say, this let's week. Get into, talk about your strengths. So let's go to my opportunities because I'm talking about the defense. Oh, okay. and, uh, yeah, my strength and opportunities, <laughs> I guess. But we'll, we'll jump right to the opportunities. I really struggle with Matt Benning. Oh, a lot of people struggle. With I, Matt I've Benning. been uh, I've been I've been on him a couple times this year, um, and it seems like the highs are so mediocre. But the lows are so low. Oh, they're so low. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and f- coming off that season that he had two years ago where people were like, he's a legitimate top, you know. Top four. Top four. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he is. I mean, even the game last night, like the one goal Anaheim scores, and it's a tough play. The puck's rooming around the boards. He's got to try and knock it down. He's got an Anaheim duck on him. You know, there's like tons of things. But it's like the one mistake in the game. If there's going to be one mistake in the game, you can basically attribute it to Matt Benning. So it feels like, you know, in some way. In some way. And I feel bad, like, ripping on the guy like this because actually, like, the other, what's nice is I think he's – He's protected now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is huge. Mm-hmm. He's protected now in a third-line role mm-hmm. or a third-pairing role. He's not going to get a whole lot of ice time. He's not going to get a whole lot of ice time. Um, but I guess, you know, what's disappointing is, and this is what happens, right? Like, it's like when we put uh, Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl on the opportunities list. Like, they're still, like, you know, three or four goal weeks. But yeah. based on what, you, what you've seen them do in the past, or it's all relative. And so relative to what we've seen the past from Matt Benning, he's had a tough year, and he'll be one of the he ones really that, has. you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, not really looking forward to, but, like, look, look, looking forward to the show where we do the end of the year because I think we'll have a great, like, run through of all the players and have a good conversation. Um, and Benning will be an interesting conversation there. It'll be really interesting. I'm going to flip it over. I'll just do mine because yeah, yeah, both of my guys are on the defense. That I'm, being I said. Also, I also want to say what we started with your strength. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, my is Oscar Clefbaum. It's so nice mm. to have Oscar Clefbaum back in the lineup. Daddy. I love Clef Daddy. I love our, I love our, I love our back end. I wish our back end. I think part of the issue with the Edmonton Oilers this year is that we haven't had the back end healthy and together, and that's why I mentioned it. And you know, my initial strength and opportunity was the entire defensive back end. <laughs> and I'm like, are you sure? And you're you like, are that? you sure? <laughs> and then I was like, what's your opportunity? I was like, Benning. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but you know, Nurse, like playing in the appropriate role, like Larson with his buddy Oscar Clefbaum. Clefbaum jumping up on the rush, scoring a huge goal in that in that uh, Islanders game. Like it's just Sekros, like, really crafty, just like mature back end, like you know, getting his legs back, but it, finally he's playing much better than he did at all last year. The Edmonton Oilers are a decent team when they have their defensive core intact. The thing is they're not deep on the back end. So that's while the these guys are coming up, when that's they get the injuries, thing. that's when you get into problems. And that's, that's what I think that's what we've run into this year. Honestly, Clefbaum was my strength this week. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm I totally with you with Clefbaum, Larson, Nurse, and Sekera being like a really decent top four. Um, after that, it really kind of dip, dives, right? Like, I mean, Russell is, is a competent defenseman, and I think he is one of those players that... Um, there's been a lot of trade rumors around... around um, it's called Russell re- recently, and, they, and I think I, I was just seeing a tweet from Rashad saying that... Um, they're not going to try to deal with Russell 
uh, deal him or deal him out. And I think he would have some value in the league, right? He's And his contract is like a little bit higher, but he's still a dependable defenseman. He's still like, you're smiling at me. Like, like he's like, how dare you say these things? <laughs> You've been ripping on Russell for ages. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a really good top six defenseman. He's not a top four defenseman. That's the thing. So, and oh, I think, see, I don't know. I think he's a, I think maybe he's a five six. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Or four like, five. He four would, five. He's a good protector for people like, um, like, like we won't be rushing like the Bears. I and love the, Jones the Russell Nurse line and the Bouchards. I love Russell like Nurse together. Yeah. Like that's a really good pairing. Yeah, I like their dynamic. Nurse can skate. And that's the thing with Russell. He's he can move in and out of that yeah. slide. And I think that's that's where he should be. He's not a top four, and that's what I think he got pegged to be as a top four. And I'm like, it's. That's a little. I don't know. He's high. played top four all season long, and he's had oh, success. Yeah, that's great. The Oilers are doing fantastic with Russell <laughs> in the top four right now. It's, it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go to my strengths because let's talk about something something really good lately. Um, so <laughs> I want to go back to your boy Peter Shirelli. Yeah. Uh, you picked up Colby Cave in waivers. He was um, old Boston person. He signed Colby. My boy, Peter Shirelli. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stick to that. Um, <laughs> Colby Cave uh, picked up on waivers. Actually, not a whole lot of press for picking him up. <clears throat> and the press that he got was mostly positive. Saying, you know what? He's He could be a really decent depth forward. And he has been. He has been really good um, depth forward wise. And he's been driving a lot of the lines. He's been uh, quietly um, putting a lot of possession numbers up top, so which is really good for Colby Cave. Really like him with Cassian. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. similar game. I like that there's developed this like third, fourth line sort of rugged checking line that can dominate the play down low. Uh, he was on the second power play I saw yesterday, yep. which is sort of interesting. I know things are kind of up in the air with McDavid out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. Like, I think this is one of the things... And you're going to say my boy Peter Shirelli, but like one of the things that I think is lost on Edmontonians and and real like in depth fans who called for Peter Shirelli's head is sort of like the infrastructure that he brought to the organization. I mean, you you look at the Condors right now and the success that they're having. That's a product of good drafting, but that's a a product of good scouting Mm -hmm. and building up like Mm -hmm. an uh, an organizational infrastructure. Peter Shirelli was good at that. You and I are going to disagree and fight until the end of time about like the big moves. I'll wait till the end of the year. The big moves and things like that. But at the end of the day, like I think you've seen a completely Mm -hmm. very drastic shift for our organization, something that we haven't seen in 10 years. Yeah. So, and Cave is an example of that. Curry's an example of that. Seth Jones, or Caleb, Seth Jones. Caleb Jones. Caleb Jones. Seth Jones' brother. I, I keep getting them mixed up. <laughs> Caleb Jones' love development Seth Jones team. <laughs> is another example of that. Um, yeah, anyway, we can, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that sure. later. But I think Cave is an awesome pick and would have been mine. Yeah, Colby Cave has been fantastic. My opportunity this week has been, <clears throat> and I'm only putting him up there because I'm, it's not because he had a bad week. It's just like, it's Toby Reader. Toby Reader, just score a damn goal, damn it. It's like, seriously, you've gone through the whole season without scoring. And and I know this is not you. This is not you, Toby. Like, we're going to go into, like, like psychological corner here for Toby Reader. Toby, buddy, listen. I know you're having a bad year. Just get it out of your head. You got to, like, go into the mirror. Think about how good you are. How fantastic of a player you've been before. And you know, take some self care, buddy. Take some self care. I just, I just would love to see you score a goal. I just would, because I think you earned it. I think you deserve it. This is not you. This is just not you. 
So yeah. Are, are you and Toby done? Yeah, we're t- we're done. Toby, <laughs> he's had a tough year. He's, he's had, had a tough, tough year. year. You know, though, I was thinking last night. I was watching the game, and he was. I mean, he, he, he does. He plays an important. He does things like you know he's he's yeah. around, but. Yeah, like, De never really seems to have the puck. He's always a bit, like, a half step behind on the four check. Like, I really think he's just having a tough year. You know, I wonder if there's something else going on. Maybe he's got a nagging injury. Um, then, like you said, too, you know, it didn't, the year didn't start off great. And, you know, sometimes that compounds. We saw that with Lucic last year, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, I, I I'm, I, I'm fine with it. I know we don't like to rag on guys. And he's, no. he, he's like, Raider's been your... Your, you know, probably most picked opportunity. Benning's been my Actually, most picked. Actually, I haven't. I, I was looking back. I was like, have I picked Toby Reader before on my opportunity? And I haven't. And it, but, I, but I've always had this nagging thing with Toby Reader, just being like, he's not doing anything. Like, it was my thing with Spooner before. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like... Interesting, because I, I hear you talk about Reader a lot. I know. Maybe, but maybe I, I'm surprised he hasn't been your opportunity. Because I know Benning's probably my biggest <laughs> opportunity. Like, I know. I, like, I'm going to go look back and be like. Wait, like, that's part of our year end podcast is going through and like seeing who. Most opportunes and yeah. most strengths. Yes, I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay, so let's going to take a break and then we're going to go into the news. Not a whole lot of news, but some important news coming up. Um, okay, so the trade deadline is on Monday. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So this episode's probably might be released, and a lot of this stuff might be like. Well, then we'll just be quick relevant. about it. <laughs> so I'm, we're either going to look like geniuses or total idiots. I'm going to give you an over and under, and I'm going to ask me to tell me if it's over or under. What okay. do you think? Okay. Oil trades in the trade deadline. No, from here, Sunday at 12:13 p.m. Yeah. Uh, to the trade deadline. I'm going to give you the over-under at 1.5 of Euler trades. What do you think? It's a good line. Um, I am going to say... I'm going to say over, because I think if you're making one deal, then you're probably making a couple. Yeah. Making I think. deals? Yeah. Maybe even more than that. I mean, I guess the question is around the edges. Like, what? I mean, Chase Sun's the obvious one. Chase right? the obvious one. Yeah. So, Chase Sun's the obvious. So, that's your one. That's my one. That's what I think. Now, Chase Sun goes. That's sort of a signal to the team, to the rest of the organization that, okay, this year we're. We're, we're done. We're calling it off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, essentially, right? Yeah. So, then. Is there if the Oilers then are now sellers at the deadline? Is there more that people want? Does someone want to pick up Cassian for a run? Do the Oilers want to give up Cassian? That's the thing. That's I don't. I don't think that the Oilers. I mean, want I don't to think they're Cassian. touching their back end at all. Where are they at in the prospects pool? Like maybe you got some deals. Yeah. You know, I feel. I like- don't know. I, I'm gonna say over, but I, I'm not. I'm not certain on that. Okay. That's a one and a half is a good line. It's a good line. <laughs> what uh, would you say? I'm gonna go under. I think Chase on's the only deal they make. If they do that one. I don't even know if they're solid on that one either. Does this week change for you what they should be doing at the deadline? No. I still think they should be sellers. Like, like we just looked at the standings, right? Like, it's like, what is, seven points back? Seven points back. I don't... They, won two, they got five of six points this week, and they fell back a point. Exactly. So, I'm just like, the wild card race in the West is a little nuts, and I don't think that they can, they can make up this ground um, with... With Colorado and these other the Wild and whatever, um, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. I, I really don't. I would love to see the Oilers um, try to shed as many contracts as they can because they're right up against the cap, right? So 
like I would love for them to trade somebody like Russell or trade somebody like Cassian, who I really like. He's but you're fantastic. thinking about shedding contracts for next year. <clears throat> for next year. So anyone that's signed beyond the end of the year, you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think those deals get made at the trade deadline. This is more yeah, like rental players and stuff around there. Talbot's already gone, too, so that yeah, sort of That's the thing, it. right? Like, Talbot's gone. So that's yeah, why I like, think setting the line at like the, the thing is there's always this like hokey like you know prospect in a third for like prospect in a second true, true. Like, you know possibility that comes up. Hey, never know. And I think if Chase Sun's going, then you know you have a chance right. for that as well. I like I like I like that line. All right, cool. So um, Brennan Manning this week also got gets put on waivers. Is and this really clears. news, or you just want to put this on here to like? I just want to dunk on. Yeah, it. you want to dunk. I can tell. <laughs> Um, you got you got a, you got a, some shade to you this week. I don't know what, what's going on over there. I'm letting you down a little bit easier, Elliot, this week. So I'm just no, the other weeks before. So I'm just like I need to start like putting the pedals to the metal with you sometimes. So Brandon <laughs> gets put on waivers, clears, sent down to the AHL. That's part of the news. It's news. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> um, this is a bigger one though. Puljujarvi and Kyra on the IR. Um, there was some rumors that Puljujarvi could be done. For the season, if surgery, if he goes to surgery. Did you hear all the rumors around him, like, not wanting to play and that was the issue? Or, yeah, I heard that. Like, or, quote, unquote, and I hate this term, but I heard it a bunch. He is, quote, unquote, butthurt. I hate butthurt. Yeah. I hate that term. It's um, such a dumb... But that was, like, people just, like, going after him. Right-wing bullshit. Anyway, we're going to talk about Puglia yeah, in the, we're gonna in the big about, topic. So. Yeah. So, anyways, that's part of also as well to see what was going on with Kyra, that. having a great year. Too bad he's done. I feel bad. You know what? Um, my fiance loves Kyra, too. She asked me on Friday. He's like, is Kyra playing? And I'm like, no, he's on the IR. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and Connor... Virginia fired up about Kyra's Con- injury. And Connor's suspended. <laughs> he's like, I'm not watching this game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> she's she's a Connor Stan, and I love There's her. There's a for, line I love her in the sand yeah. right there. No Kyra, no McDavid, no me. No, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, and you didn't listen to this, but this was really good. Mark Connolly was um, on. Bob Nicholson was on CBC. Um, Mark Connolly was interviewing Mark Connolly. Like you know Mark, right? Like you listen to him every once in a while, right? I yeah, I've got lots of feelings about this. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but um, I okay. Think, so, uh, before we get into yeah, it, give, you you do the uh, but so let me put, set some context for you. Please give it. I'll use my professional, uh, you know what what I have from my professional background. One of the most important show, if not the most important show in the city, is Mark Connolly's morning radio program. Mm-hmm. It has a huge listener base, but on top of the fact that it's got as many people as it does every morning. It's the who's who of Edmonton that listen to it as Absolutely. well. Too. It's, a, it's an incredibly powerful show and a very important one. So when you go on Mark Connolly's show, it's for a reason and it's to get, you know, it's to do something with your reputation. Right, right. So I think that's good to know <clears throat> because... I didn't have this context with Mark Connolly. I was just listening to Mark Connolly. I always thought he's like this very measured man, not very big on like going controversial or anything like that. Um, but he goes, but Nicholson goes on Mark Connolly's CBC program, and I think it's at the morning program, and he gets grilled by Connolly. He really does. It's like one of the few times where a media member has really grilled like the Oilers brass, and this is a big time brass. Yeah. Yeah. Talked about. Um, you know the rumors about Con- or are we wasting Connor's years? He asked about um, 
you know, what are the Oilers, are the Oilers fan base are really upset? What are you going to do about that? Like, um, asked about, you know, Nicholson kind of pushed back and was like, oh, you know, we're really close to the playoffs. And then Connolly was like, well, you're actually three points from last. <laughs> yeah. So in the West, and he's like, yeah, you know, like, I... I really admire Mike Connolly in this in this stretch. I thought it was well, really I think interesting. It's Nicholson trying to do. I you know I also admire Nicholson for standing in there and, mm-hmm. and facing the fire too. It's something he probably needed to do. Um, I mean, it's damage control, right? It in is. a lot of ways, we keep going back to this, and I keep mentioning it subtly. But you know, there's lots of issues. You know, I bought two tickets to a game uh, in March this week for less than seventy dollars. Yeah. Like, the secondary ticket market is it's, in the toilet. It's in the toilet, yeah. And, I mean, it was like the New Jersey Devils, but it could I could I picked them because it was the day that I wanted. I could have gone to the Vancouver Canucks game for very similar price as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, really, the Canucks game, too, eh? Yeah, yeah. Usually the only the one, and, 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 pretty... and I mean, like, the, this is going to sound hilarious, but you could get tickets to the Maple Leafs game for 150 bucks. Yeah. Which is unheard of. Yeah, I'm usually it's for that. $200. Um, so... Yeah. So, and then there was also this like nagging thing that everyone who bought season tickets for the Oilers in the new arena had to sign a three-year commitment. Those commitments are up this year. Mm-hmm. So there's like there is a bit of a business side to this as well too. And I think Bob Nicholson is taking it on the chin to sort of settle things down because they might be feeling as though they're a little bit compromised right now. Yeah, and I think that's what Connolly talked about. It's what he asked about. He's like, you know, there's a lot of empty seats there. Are we still having sellouts? Is that the issue? Like, so. It's interesting to see that there's not just the hockey argument, but there's the business side of the argument um, as well. If we were talked about, oh yeah, he talked about um, that. He said that when he hired Shirelli, he didn't really interview him; he just hired him right away. Um, and so this process of hi- of getting a new GM, he's like, this is the first time that we've actually gone through a process of interviewing people. So I found that really interesting. I mean, I'm not surprised in the sense that. I see a lot of teams do this. Is not like well, Shirley was a known is, commodity, right? Exactly, and I see a lot of teams like freaking I don't know. And Montreal did this just recently too. Um, called Claude Julian. Yeah, that's right. That's what it was. He got fired and he got hired like the next day. So this happens in hockey. It's a bad thing that happens in hockey. To be honest, uh, it's not. It's not just the Oilers that do this. It's just, but it's just again, it's just the bad look of the Oilers, right? Like anything the Oilers do now, they get dunked on. Like. I went to an Ottawa, <laughs> went to uh, an R hockey thread about Ottawa being dunked on, and then there was people dunking on the Oilers there. I'm just like, can I not get a break <laughs> out of this? <laughs> I just wanted to come in here and laugh at Ottawa. Yeah, look what I got. and look what I got. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I think this is one of those things. It was like the brand is hurting. It's hurting badly and really need to step up on this. So, yeah, it was interesting. Let's talk about Connor McDavid, though. Let's talk about Connor McDavid. Did you see the hit? Yep. What did you think? Two game suspension. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was like, that End was good. Discussion. I discussion. <laughs> <laughs> People are fired up I about know, this. Eh? I know. I mean, I guess like, okay, look, it's a. So I kind of like. I really like the NHL explainer videos. I think if there's anything that um, Shanahan did. You know, Shanahan put that office back together, basically. Right. But one of the, the most impactful things he did was start, like, the trend of creating those videos, particularly in controversial situations. Really like the explainer video. I mean, there, there's the two there's the two aspects of the rule. The principal point of contact was the head, and the player had an opportunity to avoid someone into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the head thing, I don't think that's... I don't think that there's any doubt at all that the head was the principal. Even the people that don't like the suspension, it's hard to say. Yeah. What this comes down to is whether or not... 
you know, there was an opportunity for Connor to adjust his body or, you know, so so as to not uh, hit the head first. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty hard when you watch two or three years of Connor McDavid and how crafty and um, uh, quick and good he is on his skates that, like, there wasn't some way in which he couldn't have, like, just stopped, you know, stopped or, yep. or, you know, attempted to make some sort of change so as to blunt the impact. Right. So, yeah, to, I, I mean, I see it's it. Interesting. I mean, maybe it's one game, maybe it's three games, maybe it's, you know, you end up with two in the middle. I, it, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't under, like, people losing their minds about it. And then, like, obviously last night, yeah. Darnell Nurse gets, like, forearmed in the face it's by like Corey Perry. Yeah. by Corey Perry. <laughs> and it's like, it's another but, thing. But that's another issue. Though. That's the thing. Like it's like, yeah, I, we can't put these all all these suspensions in a bucket and say like these got to be even. I think it should be, but it's not. That's just not the way it is. That's not how the Department of Player Safety does. They do one on ones, right? Yeah. Which is pros and cons to this, but that's the way they do it. And I mean, you and I here sit here and we rail on the lack of consistency in in game officiating. Mm-hmm. I would say that it's not perfect, but there has been huge strides made in out-of-game officiating, particularly on suspensions and work around that. And I would say, like, you know what? If this wasn't the best player in the world and, like, my favorite player and on my favorite team, I'd probably be looking at that and be like, yeah, Yeah. I guess that's a two-game suspension. I'm not going to argue with it. But because of who it is and, you know, the impact that it has on the the Oilers, I understand why people are mad. But, yeah, it's... it's, Yeah. And, And the Oilers were, like, Nicholson was upset about this. He he went on the media and was like, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe Connor got suspended. He's not a dirty player. All I agree. Same time, he still hit him in the head. Um, and also Connor was like, he mentioned how he felt like going into that, when he went into that meeting, they made the decision made already. It was all like... The whole the whole hearing was just him telling a story and people were like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Here's your two games. Like, we just... I don't know. Like, I don't care that much about that stuff. It's like... No, what's Connor going to say that's going to change their opinion? Yeah, like, like I, I'm i sorry. I, I'm not a dirty player. I don't have history. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we all know that. These are two games. I mean, the one thing you could argue maybe is that there is sort of like... Um, the player that he hit, I forget who it was, but he kind of made that... St- he sort of stopped when he shot. So there was that sort of last second. Mm-hmm. You know, you, maybe you could argue that he couldn't get away from that because of the way that he kind of... The, the player, like, dumped the puck in in that sense, but... You know what? It's two games. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, like, maybe I'm feeling a little bit differently if the Oilers lose six one last night, but you know, <laughs> but they yeah, won no, two one. One so of the games. We're halfway through it. And there's a great gif out of like Connor McDavid like eating popcorn in the press box. So we got that out of yeah, it. Exactly. So, I mean, that's like that's already that's a win. all we want. <laughs> Josh Curry, First P- good goal. old PEI boy. Yeah. Josh Curry. Um, we talked about this at the, at, at the start of the show. I love when people get their first goal. Like, I remember Ethan Bear's first goal, and I was like, I almost jumped out of my seat. Yeah, Yamamoto's on that sick kind of, like, half breakaway. Yeah, I love when players get their first goal. And Curry, Curry's a great, great story just because he was undrafted. ECHL. ECHL, went to the AHL. Now he's playing in the NHL. Like, good on him, man. I love this crap. Excellent development, excellent infrastructure team building. Thank you, Peter Shirelli. (laughs) Sam Gagne is back in Edmonton, <laughs> playing on a line with Zach Cassian. I we didn't. Okay, so when that when Sam Gagne put on the Oilers jerseys again, and he put on his eighty nine. Thank God that nobody else took eighty nine, so he can take eighty nine back. I actually had a little bit of like heart palpitation, and I'm like, is this how people feel when like they see like their old eighties Oilers come back? Because I'm yeah, like, it must be. I 
I didn't have that when Ryan Smith came back, but I had that when Gagne came back, and I was like, "Interesting." Man, I really like this. I miss this. <laughs> it's nice. I, I, it's nice that there's sort of this redemption story with San Gagne and Edmonton. I mean, it, it was during that awful time when, well, actually, we're still in that time where a player can like have a bad couple games and then gets run out of town, um, but. You know, he's back. He's back in the NHL, too, so he's got a spot, whereas he was playing in the AHL on loaner. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that great. Hey, two goals this week. I don't know if that's going to continue, but as you said, it's a hell of a lot more than Spooner was putting in. That's exactly it. I'm like, this, this trade is already won. Yeah. <laughs> like, to be honest, right now, it's, it's two goals in, in three games. Um, good for Gagne, man, and I'm happy to see him back. Um, can you tell us what's coming up next? Yeah, I'll do run through this quickly. So tomorrow night, uh, day after trade deadline, Edmonton is in Nashville. That's going to be a tough game. Trade deadline game. Trade deadline is Monday. Yeah, so, so it's right after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Edmonton in Nashville. Well, be interesting to see who's in the lineup, who's not for that mm-hmm. game. Uh, mostly who's not mm-hmm. in Nashville. Nashville lost five nothing to Anna, uh, to the Avs last night. Yeah, so they're going to be and Edmonton. We just can't beat Nashville. I don't know. I don't know. Nashville's still second in the Central. They got seventy seven points. They're battling Winnipeg for first, so it's an important game for them too. The so. next game is really interesting, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's always sort of it'll be it'll be, it's in Toronto. It's Connor McDavid's first game back from his suspension. Mm-hmm. He always plays well in Toronto. There's that whole McDavid, Matthews. Um, McDavid Caudry. McDavid Caudry <laughs> thing. Um, it's going to be a battle Wednesday mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Then they're, the second half of a back-to-back, the next night is in Ottawa. So a short plane ride. Ottawa's terrible. We should be able to win that one. Uh-huh. And then they close out the week. 11 a.m. game, as you've noted here. <laughs> I put it on there because I was like, oh, that's weird. In Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> so a bit of a road trip here. Is this the entire road trip or they, there's more? Uh, maybe afterwards? there's more. I think there's yeah. more. doesn't matter. Four away games this week. Nashville, Toronto, good teams. Ottawa, bad team. Columbus, okay team. What do you give them in terms of a record after mm. this week? Two and two. I see they lose to Nashville. They beat Toronto. They beat Ottawa. They lose to Columbus. Columbus is playing fantastic. Columbus got um, Matthew Shane. Uh, Zingle in their team now again. Um, they're gunning for it. They're all in on this cup thing. So you love the Blue Jackets so much. I love much. the Blue Jackets so much. I I really hope for you that Prennan stays just just for the cup. Just, just I just would love to see that. I think this is you know we've had a it's been a nice sort of reprieve here from losing, but the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> are what they are. They're a known commodity, and they're a team that's going to go one and three next week. One and three. Who? What game did they did they win? They here? beat Ottawa. Okay. I think they get spanked around in Toronto, and then they come back the next night and actually show up and beat a bad team. Losing to Toronto sucks. Of course so they're much. losing to Toronto. What do you think? Uh, I get so true. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll jump into a quick conversation about Jesse Pugliarvi. Jesse Pugliarvi is a contentious name and Oilers fandom right now in the sense that not for the player himself of what the Oilers have done to the player and what are the opinions on his. I want to get your take first. What do you think of Jesse Player right now? I love him. Yeah. I think he epitomizes everything that is, you know, young, exciting. When you watch him, you watch someone who's like having the time of his life every time he's on the ice, you know? And that's always been something that's really exciting to watch. And when he scores, like, there's nothing better. Uh, when he's playing well, there's nothing better. In terms of like him as a hockey player, big body, decent shot. 
Um, he's fast. I mean, he's got lots of the tools uh, that can make him a really successful player. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I like him. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I think it was a good draft pick. I think it, it was a right decision. Was. I think it was. Like, I, I, we'll get into this a little bit more, but... You know, we talked about this in the immediate aftermath of Peter Shirelli being fired. It's like, okay, what's the next scapegoat now? And it seems to be Yessi Pugliarvi is emerging as the next one. Because you've got this sort of dividing line between people who are saying he's been mismanaged and people saying, like, he's not trying hard enough or he's not good enough. Um, and I feel like that's sort of the emerging divide. And that's that's the manifestations of something not good yeah, coming. I, agree. I totally agree. By the way, this is an aside. I um, <laughs> In... When you step out of the Oilers like like fandom area and you go into like another fandom and see what who who their like whipping boy is, um, it's interesting to see like the like the like the through line. It's always like someone that's European, someone that looks like they're not trying hard enough, someone's a kind of a scorer, maybe someone who's shorter, like or just like I was, I just went into the the Leafs one and the Leafs fans are just like first of all. <laughs> Ragging on Babcock for some reason and ragging on Nylander. Um, so it's interesting to see, like, it was like, oh, this is not just an Oilers fandom problem. This is a league wide <laughs> fandom problem. I think it's a Canadian thing. Yeah. It's not, I don't, I, you know, I don't see. That's true. It's interesting to right. see, like, a team like right. Chicago where you've got, like, a good fan base, but it's American City, how they react to these sorts of things. Mm, that's a good point. Uh, Detroit, you know, like, I wonder, Canadian cities, they're really, they're great to play in when you're having success, yeah. off of the play in when you're not. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Anyways, back to Pooley RV. Um, I totally agree with you in the sense that um, he's a, he was a really good draft pick. I was really happy that the Oilers landed Pooley RV. He was consensed to be a top three. Um, Columbus uh, famously went for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And then Matthew Kachuk was uh, right after Pugliarvi. So it's unfair sometimes to be compared to Kachuk and Dubois, who are having pretty decent careers, Kachuk especially. Um, at the same time, though, like, I, I really love the way Pugliarvi has a knack to go to the front of the net. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel he's not like, he's not a bruiser, but he has like... He, he definitely has a knack to be like just be in the right place at the right time to try to be there anyways i don't know about his development in the sense that he doesn't look like an nhl player right now but i don't blame him you know what i mean like i there's something off about him and i don't know what it is yeah i'm kind of with you on this because i think he you know in another situation we could be having lots of success uh, so I don't remember enough about his sort of develop his playing and, and, and time and development to say for certain. But he hasn't spent a lot of time in the HL, hey? And the most of it's NHL? No. most of it's been NHL time. Yeah. I'm gonna take a look at this for a sec. Yeah, go ahead. And even one of the things that happened this year was he was sent down to the AHL under McClellan and then Hitchcock came in the next day and brought him right back up yeah. and said, like, I'm gonna help him. Right? Yes, yes. Which at the time we kind of praised, which is like, well, no, he's yeah, like, he's if he like, wants to do it, then he can do it. He can make him a better player. He wants to make him a better player. Like, that's right. That's great. I don't, you know, I, I think people spend too much time in that whole conversation like, oh, he needs to, he needs to season in the AHL or he's, he spent too much time in the NHL and it's ruined his, his development. I, I, I don't think his development is ruined. I think Pugliarvi is one of those players that is going to get better with age. Yeah, and I think there's a certain level of maturity that he needs to get to that he's not at right now. It's only 21, right? Yeah. 
I think that he needs, he probably just is taking a little bit longer than you would have expected for, you know, a top three draft pick. And mm-hmm. given the success that he had, um, you know, previous to his time in the NHL and, 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 you know, I'm thinking about in the World Juniors and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think like, I don't know, there's this impatience around Pugliarvi, both from the team's perspective and from a fan basis perspective. And I just think it's one of those situations where you just need him to kind of just sit and continue to grow as a player and continue to get better. I, I, I mean, I think a lot, it's much to do about nothing, but there's not enough, there's too many people that cover this team. <laughs> Herman, there's too many people that cover this team. And so they look for issues and this is where they like, this is where they land, right? Yeah, I totally agree with you there. So I am, um, it's interesting. I'm just looking at his draft. Like, it's like, you know, I'm a draft head. Um, so it's Pujarvi Ulevi is the next pick. Ulevi yeah. uh, has not played in the NHL at all. At all. Um, the Vancouver draft pick. Then it's Kachuk. Then it's Keller, who's doing fantastic in uh, Arizona. Nylander, who's not doing so well in Buffalo. Um, Nylander, I just heard on the 31 Thoughts podcast about being like, what is it? Where is his development at? He is somebody who's not doing well. And, I, and I'm curious about what's going on with there. Sergeyev, uh, famously traded to Tampa Bay. Um, drafted by Montreal. Um, then Tyson Yost. I mean, all these players are around the same thing that Puyarvi is doing right now. Like, especially like someone like Tyson Yost and uh, like Clayton Keller, not for sure. But I mean, like Tyson Yost and Nylander are, and like Charlie McAvoy, who's a defenseman. But I mean, that's the that's where we're at right now with Puyarvi. The thing is, though, like if you look at his stats, like the first year he played twenty eight games. In with the Oilers, and I think that's a little bit too much. Like his first year, like he should have been giving the ten games and then going out there. And I think the Oilers learned that with Yamamoto the next year, but I think that was too much. He had a pretty decent AHL stint, twenty-eight points in thirty-nine games, and then he started the uh, the other NHL season in the AHL. Then brought brought, brought up twenty points in sixty-five games, brought down, brought back up. I don't know. Like, it's... Do you think this is because of the Oilers' lack of depth in the wings that there's this weird development thing with Pugliarvi? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a couple things. There's there's a real push in the NHL right now, particularly on the Edmonton Oilers, to have people earn their spots. And I don't think Pugliarvi had done enough to get, to get bumped up to... You know McDavid's line, or mm-hmm. into like you know he spent a lot of time playing with Milan Lucic, who was yeah. cold for the majority of this year. <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. um, didn't really get a lot of time on the power play because the you know w- the power play setup right now is sort of yep. is what it is. Um, and that top line with McDavid, Drysaddle, Nuge, Nurse slash Clefbaum, and who's mm-hmm. the other one that they put out there? Chase on Chase right on, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they play the majority of the power play man. So he hasn't really had opportunities to like find confidence building success in terms of power play opportunities playing on the first line. Yeah. Uh, So I think that that's more of an impact that's impacted him a little bit more than like a lack of depth on the wing. Like you would think if there was a lack of depth on the wing that he would be moved up the lineup. Yeah, you're right. And that's, that that hasn't happened. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that's that's sort of where I'm at. I mean, when 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 the Oilers were playing well in that immediate uh, time after Hitchcock came back, Puliyarvi was a piece of that. He wasn't necessarily getting points, although I think he did get some points in that time. Mm-hmm. He was just playing better. He's playing bigger, uh, using his frame, his body. The the, the 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 system sort of fit him well. 
then we lost Clefbaum. The bottom sort of fell out for that stint, and and a victim of that was a, a number of players. Yeah. But Puliarvi was one of them, mm-hmm. and so this is why I think it's tough to like when you look on his entire three years here now. Is it disappointing? Maybe a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, but it's it's a, this is a really small snapshot, and I think a lot of this pushback right now is come from the fact that there isn't a lot else to talk about, and so it's him. He's the one that's sort of being right. Well, and I think that just because they, we had a lot of expectations for him, right? Like like I said, he was a top three consensus, top three draft pick. It was a big surprise that Columbus went for Dubois, and. The reason, like, I think there were some rumors that the Oilers were going to trade their fourth overall pick, but because they knew that Columbus was going to go after Dubois, they're like, no, we want Pugliarvi now. Like, yeah. That's the reason why um, they kept that pick. There was a deal on the table, I think. Yeah, there was Elliot a deal Friedman, on the table. And it was, they were going to take it, but then as soon as Dubois went, then they said, no, we're not, the deal's off. It, yeah, was, it involved a defenseman or something, I don't remember. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Stepan, but I, I could be wrong. Um, I don't even just making that up. Um, but at the same time, like, I I don't know. I think that's where the hype is coming from. And I think, like, he scored on, like, the first game as, as, a, as an NHL player. Like, um, so it's like, I had a lot of hype for Pugliarvi. And, and to be honest, like, I'm a little disappointed that his production is not where it's at. And uh, at the same time, though, w- what I'm hearing is that because he is a skilled player, he should be playing in the top six. Like, he shouldn't be playing in the bottom six. He should be playing in those top six roles, yeah. right? So... I think if you're looking at hindsight, we should have developed like throw him in the AHL until he's ready to be in the top six. Do not throw him in the bottom six until he's ready for the top six. Yeah, and, and try and get him to work his way up. That's never going to work. And that, was, that wasn't going to work. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you on that. And then you think you know it's so disappointing right now because you think about players like Jones and Yamamoto mm-hmm. right now, and how important for their development is this 16 game winning streak with the absolutely, Condors absolutely. and the success that they're having. And, and you know, Kitchcock and Woodcroft are the coach down there are pointing to players like that and saying like this is great for them and also they're contributing and yep. also they're a piece of this and it's mm-hmm. a winning culture and they're going to bring that one day to the NHL team mm-hmm. and you'd love to have Puliarvi down there mm-hmm. I, I mean I think it was right and you know obviously we we were uh, applauded Hitchcock's move to bring him back up the moment they came back but as soon as Clefbaum went down and things went sideways I think there was probably an opportunity to send him down now he's hurt potentially to the end of the season which is we've sad. had some really negative press really bad. and this is the other thing that really sucks is that the other thing is with European player there's already some stigmatization there of course. and then like uh, an agent gets involved and then people yep. turn on players pretty quick and that happened this this week and last week and that's a piece of this as well too I'd like to see him just go down to the AHL unfortunately Maybe, he can't now that's the thing like there's a situation and I think this is the problem with him being on the IR um, first of all that he could be done for the season second of all even if he's not done for the season there was a deadline that he needed to pass before he can be sent down to the AHL and now if he that passes that deadline he can't interesting so this sucks for Pugliarvi. It really does. Because you're right. He should he should be in the AHL right now, focusing on the confidence of the of the Condors right now. Like, they're going to go to the playoffs. Like, get that experience in yeah, him. Yeah, totally. Like, that's where he should be, He'll right? compete for a Calder Cup. Yeah. So, here's what I'd like to see. The season will end. There will be controversy, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, my expectation and hope is that he's still on the team. I hope so, too. Uh, if we're giving him up, it better be something more than a first-round draft pick. Let me tell you, I have and thoughts I know, on this one. I have thoughts on what might happen, but go on. And then you know, spend the summer conditioning, 
you know, maybe get into one of those those camps that are run by old NHL players where, like, you know, like they show up, you know, just like push and push and push and push, um, and come back and start with, start over. I, you know, you'd like to see him have the same preseason next year that he did this year, mm-hmm. and then be able to build on that in a successful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, and if he isn't able to make the team in a top six role. Don't put him in the third line or the fourth line. I don't want him playing with Zach Cassian and, nope. and, and Cave. No. Nope. Just send him to the AHL and let Woodcroft play with him down Until there. He's ready for a top six role. Totally. Totally. I What's your theory around what my theory is worth? And I think it's been floated around by some prominent people on Twitter is that Pugliarvi's being dangled to get rid of Lucci's contract. So it might be a Pugliarvi Lucic to so another team can take both of them and so we can get some cap space back and maybe for a draft pick or something, something like that. That's Jeez. that's the running narrative. And I think because of the agent issue situation, I don't think that they're happy that they might be sent down to the AHL. I think they think that they're ready to be in the NHL. And it might be a situation where we kind of drop bait on this, like to say like, yeah, we messed up. We really messed up with Jesse Pugliarvi. I hope another team can do well with them. It's be like just like Dylan Strom, right? Like Dylan Strom was not the best player for Arizona. He got traded to Chicago. He's doing fantastic in Chicago right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's the other side of this, the Jonathan Drouin thing, where the yep. Oilers just say, you know what? You're playing with us. We own you. You're going to stick with us, and you're going to work through whatever your issues are with us and our team, and you're going to play in our system. And until that you can, be, that, 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 that could be, be the other too. side of this too. And it could happen when we hire uh, a new head coach or a new GM, and maybe they'll they'll take that situation in hand. Um, and like I think you, I think you're right. This might all happen in the summer. Um, but I think that's the idea with Jesse Pugliarvi. I would love to be able to also like if we do trade him to get another kind of like reclamation project, like an Alex Leander or a Tyson Jost, to see maybe that changes scenery and hope that the Oilers can look back. At what happened with Pugliarvi and learn some lessons. Like, I think they are learning this lessons with Yamamoto a bit. I mean, it still goes back and forth. Um, but, they're, but they're keeping someone like Tyler Benson down. And Tyler Benson's been doing fantastic. Um, same thing with Jones. Same thing with Bear. Like, they're they're trying to keep those players in the NHL, in the AHL, because I think that's important for them. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I mean, so I hope, I, hope, I hope that they they get it this time. And then I, I know older fans have been burned for 12 years now. And... I do still keep that hope alive to be like, okay, maybe a new GM might do this. Maybe they, they can learn because they're still human beings. They read the news. They know what's going on. I just hope that there's better point of development in regards to their new players because they are going to have, like, to be fair, the next year is going to be a high draft pick too, right? So they might get a really good player. I'm a really good defensive player. And it's a really deep draft this year. So. Yeah. We never know. Never know, right? You never know. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what comes with Pugliarvi. I think I'd be really disappointed if the team gave up on him. I think that I'd be really disappointed if he gave up on the team. Yeah. Um, I think it's just time. It's been a tough year. It's been a brutal year. It has and been. And so these media types have nothing left to, like, pick on and start a big fight about. And so, like, with the last 20 games of the season, they're just going to be like, Pugliarvi's the thing I'm going to talk about yeah. relentlessly. Maybe it's good that he's on the IR. <laughs> So people don't do that anymore. Yeah, keep him away from us. <laughs> keep him- <laughs> uh, the fans, Jesus Christ. the media. 
ESC, we love you, Medi. Like, you know, if you're going on the IR, just give us a shout, man. Yeah. You're, you're welcome over. anytime. You come hang out and drink yeah. coffee with us. We'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> we love your passion. We love you, man. All right. So, where can people find you, Elliot? At Tanti Y-E-G. You can find me at German, not German. This has been another episode of the 104 Podcast. We'll be back next week, and hopefully, maybe we'll talk about some trades. Maybe. See you next time. <laughs>